Growing your beauty business doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's all about mastering a few key strategies and systems to save you time. Welcome to Beauty Marketing Simplified, a podcast dedicated to helping you on your entrepreneurial journey. I'm your host, April Meese. I'm a permanent cosmetic artist that built my six-figure business while only working three days a week and raising twin toddlers. I'm here to tell you it is possible for you too. With a background in spa marketing, it's my mission to help women worldwide get more profits while pursuing their passion and purpose. Let's transform your beauty business for more income and less stress starting right now. Hello, hello, my friend. So today we have another exciting beauty boss interview. It's with Michelle Mish Aesthetics, Michelle Sign. I'm going to read her bio. At the core of Mish Aesthetics lies a profound motto, lash with ease and confidence. Michelle and her team are unwaveringly dedicated to providing superior lash education, top-notch supplies, and simplifying the artistry of lashing. Their belief in the transformative power of ongoing education combined with the right tools empowers lash artists to embrace unyielding confidence in their knowledge, skills, and entrepreneurial endeavors. And you are a steadfast advocate of extended education. You firmly believe the true understanding leads to the ability to teach. And education has been a lifelong journey. And you have such a great business. We're going to dive into your success and all your secrets. Thank <laughs> Share you. Share your wisdom yeah. with us. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here too. And just wanted to say something to you, April. I was like very surprised to get a message from you. I haven't really reached out before, but I low-key always listen to your podcast, Beauty Marketing oh. Simplified, and it's really helped me in my business, and I'm on your newsletter, and I get your emails all the time. And so, yeah, you've changed my career as well, so I just wanted to give you thanks for that. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting, I get all teary. If you've heard my podcast, and you know I get emotional easily. I sleep with your podcast on. That's what I do. I just not only your podcast but a lot of the lash industries like podcasts or even sometimes crime junkies i'll listen to sleep but that's what i do i listen to podcasts to bed so then do you dream of beauty business stuff or do you dream of crime podcast stuff oh no no crime podcast <laughs> i dream about ways that i could make my business easier for me ways to get my employees more booked keep them happy just new ideas always flow in i always daydream but i feel like i night dream about my business more yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Okay, start us from the beginning. How did the journey start? Take us back, the year, the mood, what was the vibe of I'm going to start this business? How did this journey start? I think many of us can relate when we start to do something that's out of the ordinary. It all stemmed from depression and being alone in a new state. My husband is in the military, so I had moved out with him to Arizona right after I graduated from college. Graduated college in 2018, a week later, packed all of my stuff, drove down to Tucson, Arizona. I knew no one, but I had a job laid out for me because I had applied before I finished college. So I actually started out as a preschool teacher and there was a certain time where I was suspended from teaching. They couldn't get my fingerprint clearance ready. Imagine being in my shoes, you start a new job. This is where you see yourself going to every day. And then all of a sudden they tell you, hey, 
we need to suspend you for now because your fingerprint clearance didn't go through. And that was just like a big shock to me. I was jobless for about a month and a half. But during that moment, like during that time was when depression fell hard. And I just looked at all my friends having a wonderful summer together, having their jobs lined up. And I'm just like, what am I doing? What do I want to do? So knowing that I liked beauty and makeup, I found a lash course. And this was before I even knew lashes made any money. Okay, this was just so I need to occupy myself with something. There is a extra bedroom in my house. I enjoy talking to people. This is probably a good way for me to make friends. This was going on in my mind. Oh, if I just do lashes out of my bedroom, maybe I can meet people in Tucson. And so the day that I got my phone call for the job that I'm going back to was also the same day that I signed up for my lash course. It all happened at the same time. I went back to preschool teaching while taking my first class the same weekend I went back. And so I was just battling both passions out. Do I really enjoy working with children or do I enjoy running a business where I can call my own and schedule my own hours? There's a lot of passion in between, but I think after six months into lashing, I just figured, okay, this is my first and last year teaching preschool. I'm going to go like gung-ho on this beauty industry, applied for beauty school in 2019, graduated in 2020. And right when I graduated was when I found out I was pregnant. So not even being in the industry for two years, I got pregnant. But then that was when my beauty business really stepped up. I did a lot when I was in beauty school and it made me feel like this industry was made for me because I went to beauty school every day feeling really motivated and having all this idea come to my head about, oh, if I were to own a business, would I structure it like the way my beauty school structured their education? Mm -hmm. And then I was interviewed by even like a state board of Arizona asking, where do I see myself in 10 yeah. years? And I had told them like, you know what? I actually want to open up a beauty school in SoCal. And so that's still like in the back of my mind right now. But yeah, that's where I started. It's a very long history, but it all stems from being in a very dark place. And that really pushed and motivated me to find love in the beauty industry. Yeah, what I love about that story is that you were leading from the heart. Like you were caring about the clients and the friendships you were making. Like you weren't motivated like, oh, I'm just going to make a lot of money in this industry. Yeah. No education talking about how much money you can make. With yeah. So, so good. Okay. So then that started the dream of I want to build an, an academy. I want to teach. I have my own business, right? And how does that evolve? Because I always say that it's one thing to do the service, right? It is a whole nother thing to manage people. And it is a whole nother beast to have students in an academy. And like each arm of the business is really almost another business. It's like starting a whole nother business yeah. again. So obviously you're a go-getter. But how did you lean into that? Or what steps did you take to say, okay, what came first? The hiring probably came before the academy, right? No, the academy came first. How? My academy isn't huge. It's, I'm not really, there's no set in stone school that I'm teaching out of. But I gained interest from people about wanting to learn from me. And that's where education came first. To me, it was very surprising only being in the industry for a year that people were reaching out already on how to become like a lash artist. And I'm not going to turn heads away. I always disclose that, you know, I've only been lashing for one year. You're only going to learn what I've experienced in the span of one year. And 
they still trusted me, which I was like very grateful for because education is really the foundation of how I was able to scale my business the way that it is now. And that's why I'm such a big advocate on becoming an educator because not only are you changing lives of other people, but you are also changing your own life. You could charge however much you like for your classes and then reinvest that money that you've earned to do a product line. And then after that, you can open up your beauty salon. And that's what I did. It was teaching people having enough money to open a e-commerce line. And from that e-commerce line with the training money, I was able to open up my first slash studio two years into the business without taking out any loans, all just from selling my courses and selling products online. And that's why I'm like, I'm debt free and I'm so grateful for that. And I get to choose where and how to spend my money. And this is all from being able to be that educator that people trust. Yeah. And let's not forget, you were also pregnant. Or at this point, <laughs> or at this point you had a little one, right? At this mm -hmm. point, you probably, you, you had a toddler at this point, probably. I or baby started teaching before I was okay. pregnant and I had to for most people in my first pregnancy. So I actually have two kids. I have two kids within a span of five years of being in this business. Yeah. Which is a lot. I know I, mine are a little bit older, but I have twin girls, so I know how it is. So then you're, you're trying to, and I think definitely more so as a woman, like we're pulled in different directions because we want to be the good mom and mom guilt. And then you, of course you have your own ambitions of your business mm -hmm. and the dreams for the academy and the product line. And so I think the thing is, there's several things that I wanna dig into that I think would really serve the audience. But first I wanna know, like how did you divide up the time in terms of, I'm gonna work on this for this amount of time, then this, how did you schedule it? Because it's a lot of balls in the air that you're juggling. It is a lot of balls. And that's one of the reasons why I hired my first employee when I moved back to California. My husband was tired of me working late nights and that's how I was able to juggle everything when I first began the e-commerce line and training and taking clients. <laughs> he just didn't like me staying up all night, sleep deprivation, having a newborn. He was the one who advised me, you know what, I think it's time for you to hire your first employee. And me not ever, ever owning a business before, I couldn't imagine having an employee that I could control, schedule her pay, and schedule her hours. That just wasn't in my court at this time, but it was needed. Then when I had my first employee, I started to pass on the duties of the e-commerce and the customer service to her. And I would focus on the service side and the training side, and she would focus on the packing side, right? So I've already given out one task away. When we moved over to the salon, I built up my team and how I'm juggling it now is I am not taking a lot of service clients and I'm only working 10 to 5. I let my personal life be the priority. My business life is the second. And just being strict with the boundaries. Like my boundaries is I drop my kids off to school, I see them, and I pick up my kids from school and I see them. Whatever happens from 10 to 5 is work. And whatever happens after 5 is family. Yes. So good. Yeah, that's challenging to do. It's one thing to say, this is what I want to do. And it's another thing to actually put it into action. And so that's really a key point that you mentioned. I just want to touch on for the listeners. You hired specifically for the e-commerce like you, because I think some people would think I'm going to hire a lash artist next, but you were like, let me focus on what I'm really good at and let me outsource the part that maybe I'm not loving as much. And so you hired for that position. Is that correct? 
I actually love packing. If I could do it all myself, I would. I didn't mind staying up till 3 a.m. packing orders, testing tweezers, getting calluses on my fingers. It was all in the passion of owning my own business. And the person I did hire, she was a starting lash artist. And my idea was before she could get fully booked with clients, this is how I'm going to occupy her time with me. She's going to take care of the warehouse and the packaging and the go into the post office while building clientele and also watching and shadowing me during my service sets and during my trainings. And so now she's been with me for over two and a half years. She's the one that's always completely booked out. We have to raise her prices soon because there's just no way. She's too burnt out with clients now. This is what I wanted for her. All of my new employees that start out with me always start off in the warehouse. They always start off the warehouse. They have to know the foundation of Misha Aesthetics, get to know the products, get to know how things are ran. And while they're working there, I leave their books open, their scheduling books are open. And if a client do book them, then they just switch their role. They get out of the warehouse and they work on clients because now we're all in the same salon. The warehouse is in the room. The salon is out in the front. So they switch their roles simultaneously. This is brilliant. So for those listening on the podcast, rewind listen to that again it's so good because i think so many people think when they do their first hire they think okay how am i going to book this person out and then they sit there and they're thinking oh i'm losing money and that person is just sitting there and then they get frustrated they're not doing their own marketing or i don't know what to do but you had a plan going in of this is what they're going to do they're going to have their hours occupied so it's making money either way even if somebody didn't have a product line or e-commerce it could be they're helping with the marketing it could be that they're helping with the front desk it could be this type of thing right and you're saying to them what i think the really key point there is you set up the expectations from the beginning mm-hmm. yes so okay. yeah when they're interested in working with me and during the interview i have to ask them what are you open to doing is there anything you're limited to doing because I do let them know you're not going to get fully booked when you're, when you're here. You have to be able to fit all shoes if I need you to. And so I like to hire really well-rounded individuals, very hardworking and ambitious people. That's what I really strive for. And that's why when people ask, oh, how do you, do you find such a good team? I think it's all from being in multiple different relationships with other women and you start to learn and grow who are good people, who are bad people. So... My past experiences from high school and college, being in a sorority, really played in a role of how I choose people when I interview them. Oh, oh, so good. Okay, I wanna dive into that, but I just wanna say, I wanna just to say that I was thinking about this just this week and last week because we are bringing on a new video editor. And so I'm interviewing virtual assistants. That's how we do it. I'm teaching the students. So it's always look over my shoulder, see what I'm doing. This is how the process and setting up expectations. And it's so true. You have to ask the right questions to find, and it is more questions. Like you can't just go by the resume and things like that. You have to ask the right questions to find the right quality of people. Are, what are some key things that you look for? Because obviously there could be a, a bad apple in the bunch every now and then, mm-hmm. but obviously you found some good people. So are there key questions or what are some key things other than hardworking? Are there certain things that you look for? They have to have this quality of knowing that they have to sacrifice a little bit of their pay in the beginning when they start anywhere. You're not going to be paid the most when you start off in a new industry. So when I start to discuss the salary or the hourly wage or the commission, I almost read them out to see what they feel. Because anybody who's very 
dedicated and are motivated to work with me, they would not care about what pay they start off with. I think that the thought of being able to work with a brand that you love so much, quote unquote, that you love, that you see yourself growing as a person and as an artist, there's no amount of money that can exchange the value and the experience that you get with me and my salon. When their reaction is similar to, yeah, you know what, I know I have to sacrifice some of my time and some of my pay to work with you, I'm all for it because I just really want to be here, I want to grow with you. And that just really shows me they're not there for the money or the, for the clout, they're really there for their personal growth. So asking those type of questions, what do you expect the pay to be? And what do you want to gain out of this? Basically, like you're working for me, is it for experience? Is it to grow as a person, as an artist? So you just don't take what you learn and leave? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of artists or beauty professionals in general, like they almost wait too late, I say, to hire. For example, I say almost when they're in the weeds, they have so much going on and now they don't have time to properly find the right person. There's that expression, hire slow, fire fast. But yeah. the idea is take the time to set expectations, take the time to train them, all those things. It sounds like you're doing that, right? It sounds like you have that down. And I think the other fear is that person might leave. And do you set up non-compete clauses or is there something that you do to protect yourself with that? Or you're just like... <laughs> the thing about me, April, is I am the person who has given out many like i give people benefit of the doubt i really don't have any distrust in them unless they show me that i should be a little more aware and have my cards up but if i hire you that means i trust you and the only contract i have is for them to sign the employee handbook of what the salon policies are and their pay and holiday pay but i don't have any non-competes because my philosophy is that when you hire an employee and they work for you They've done their work. They've made your salon money. They've gained clients for you. You didn't lose money hiring them. And if they do decide to leave, you have to think about all the good work that they've done to make your company grow. And as long as they've input their time and their experience made my salon a lot more valuable or just business in general more valuable, I think it's okay to let them go if they wanted to go. I always just let them know if you ever just want to leave, you have to end it on a good note. Yeah. I don't want to both of your feet in both pots. You have to completely dedicate it to my pot. And if you decide to go to have your own, you have to cut it clean. Yes. And that's why that just goes back to how we started, like your heart, like you have a very pure heart and that shows through your business. That's really good. All right, so good. My head is going in so many directions of so many things that I wanna ask you, but I know one of the things that always serves the listeners is if you can take us back to a struggle, obviously you told us about when you were first starting, but like a recent business struggle, maybe it was in scaling the academy, maybe it was in hiring or managing employees, mm. that type of thing, the struggle and the lessons that you learned from it? Biggest one is I was so used to hiring one person at a time that it went well. And then the time that I did hire multiple people at a time, there was not enough time for me to train all three of them. And that was a big regret. I just wish that I didn't hire three people at a time. I just wish I stuck to the first round of hiring single applicants. That way I'm able to focus and train them one-on-one. -on -one. I've learned from that. I like to just hire one person at a time now. I don't regret the three people I hired. I just feel guilty for not being able to cater to them 
one-on-one -on -one like I did for the previous employees. And during that time, when I hired three people, I also had a mentorship program going on, my 12-week mentorship. And I lacked a lot of availability to help those three employees. And now I'm just making up for it. It's been a month since my mentorship end. So now this month, July and August going on, I'm focusing on my three employees a lot more. Yeah, it's so true. Because if you don't have that proper structure, you feel like you're backpedaling to like, oh, let me tell you about our brand values or let me tell you, or sometimes I feel like with employees that I've done that too, where you feel like you're somewhat correcting things like mm -hmm. on my part, because you're like, oh, I didn't get to tell you that this is actually how I'm just going to say from a marketing point, this is actually how we talk with our brand voice. We're very casual and fun. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is more stiff. So now we have to, we're redoing things right? because yeah. we didn't take the time to do it the first time. Yeah. Just too many things on my plate. Yesterday, I actually even had a little breakdown talking one-on-one -on -one with one of my employees. We had a wellness check and I think I broke out after I said, sometimes I just wish someone had asked, where do you need me to help you on? What can I do to help you? And that got me all emotional just because I don't like to ask people for help. I think that's just like my thing. And that's why I was so hesitant on hiring my first employee. I just don't like giving out directions. When you have trauma in your childhood of being bossy or being just very sassy tone and everything, you don't like to give out directions. And I'm still learning from that. I know that I am the boss. I am the salon owner and it is okay for me to assign tasks without feeling the guilt. And that's what I am trying to learn, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel that so deeply. That is so good because that is one of those growing next challenge type of things of your own voices in your head saying, oh, don't be that way. And it's not that anybody has even said you're being that way. It's just that your own thoughts of doing that and then feeling like you have to carry this whole load because yeah. you're responsible for this big team. Yeah. Or your other people. Yeah, and I do, I do feel guilty if they're not booked as I would like them to be. The recession or whatever it may have played a part in it. But obviously, like, I also have to do my part in helping marketing them and learning how to market the salon business myself and investing back to the business. I try to do all that, but at the same time, handling being a mom, working on your own website and e-commerce, and trying to build an academy and plan recordings and filming with my cinematographer. Like, it's just too much when it's okay to cry i think one of my employees yesterday she was like you just have to cry it out and i'm like i probably should cry it out yeah. yes oh my gosh that's so funny. i was just telling my daughter the other day i was like there's i just told her that same thing i was like sometimes you just have to cry it out i said my favorite thing to do when i was like younger this is going to date me as a teenager is i would just go put on tracy chapman and i would just have an ugly boohoo like snot bubbles mm. like the whole the, where you can't even catch yeah. your breath. I just cried out and my friends would know if they heard like Tracy Chapman or <laughs> if any of my roommates heard that, they'd be like, don't go in that room. She's having a, she's having a moment, but then you feel better, right? Mm -hmm. Like then you come out and you're like, okay, what's for dinner? Like you yeah. get it out. Yeah. I need to do more of that. I think I just bottle a lot of things up in me because I don't like to feel weak. I've been on this journey for so long that I can't even talk to show how vulnerable I am in some topics. It's healthy. I understand that. Yeah. And it's okay to cry.
<laughs> just like I have to do it more. Yeah, and just to normalize the journey is a, a journey, and that it is a struggle, and it's not all roses. No. And that I think it helps for anybody else that is maybe not at the same level of success, but then comparing themselves to say, "What's wrong with me?" And it's not that anything's wrong with you. It's just that there's times where it's going to feel overwhelming, and there's times where it's going to feel like, "I don't know if I signed up for this," or "I don't know if I still want this," or mm -hmm. there's just there's going to be moments of all the emotions, right? Yeah. And it's normal, right? Yeah. It's so good. Okay. So I want to talk about marketing. And when you first started, other than obviously just having a pure heart, what did you do to get your business going, to get the word of mouth going, to get, what did you do marketing? And what is your current marketing to get clients? Oh, for clients. The first time I started, I went straight on Facebook. I did those buy, sell, trade pages in Tucson. And I made like a little app, or not a little app, but a little graphic design saying originally $100, but $50. Because a lot of these people, they like a good bargain, yeah. right? So even though I was just starting out, I wasn't charging $100. Obviously, no one was paying me $100. But the people on Facebook don't know that. The people on Facebook just sees a good deal. And so that's how I got most of my models to begin with, clientele. And then once I had images to build my portfolio, it was on Instagram, hashtags, and word of mouth. That was how I was able to build my clientele. I did sets for very cheap. And in my eyes, I wasn't losing money. If anything, these $50 sets was helping me make money because I had people who were willing to lay three to four hours for me to lash them. And get good content out of it. So it's like paying for your model, but they're actually paying you instead. That was how I started when I first got clients. And then with Instagram being such a good tool and Google and Yelp reviews, that's how I'm able to get clients for my girls. Whenever a new client shows up, the first thing that we mostly ask them is, how did you find us? And they would always say, oh, Yelp or Google and very little Instagram nowadays. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the girls that I see they didn't find me on Instagram or they don't find us on Instagram. They find us on Yelp because if you look up brows or lashes in my area, we're going to be the first one to show up. If you look up on Google lash extensions around this zip code, we're going to be the first one to show up too. So having a good SEO is really helpful. Having really great quality pictures. I myself love to see before and after photos. So that's what I push my girls to make more of. We always take before photos and after photos and also videos those sell because people that may have the same eye sets or the same brows or the same issues will look at those before photos and say to themselves, this girl looks like me. This girl looks like she has my eye shape. And if they could make lashes look beautiful on her, I know that they're going to make lashes look beautiful on me. And the same thing with brows. But yeah, SEO photos and just getting your clients to write you really good reviews. And I always tell them to have their clients mention their name. They have to mention your name on the review so anybody looking at the review will always see your name and when they book online if they remember your name they're going to choose you that's so good i love that mention your name so good and so i love also that you're saying that you do not just the pictures but the video too right because that obviously is what is going to be picked up by the algorithm and i think that people just believe video a little bit more where when we see images, sometimes we're like, is that Photoshopped? But when we see a video, even though that could technically be a little bit altered too, but for the most part, a video is just more believable. So yeah. for the audience, they're going to just be like, okay, I think this is legit. And so it works both ways. It works for 
obviously the algorithm and it also works for client proof. Yes. I personally like to see before and after videos as well, way more than pictures because of the authenticity and little editing. But nowadays there's like apps that can edit videos and it's not a bad thing. I just think use the filter that just softens the skin. Don't use a filter that darkens the lash line or darken the eyebrows. Just sticking it to being very natural. And so how we edit our photos is if the blemish is bothersome, you could remove it, but I don't want you to mess around with the brow work and the lash work that you've done. Yeah, so good. Yeah, there's this new app where, there's a few of them actually, where you can take a video that you have and let's just say, I meant to say the word red, but I said the word blue. <gasps> it can change your word. It <laughs> will change it. And it even looks like your mouth. It can even change it where it looks like your mouth <gasps> said the other word. And then, like, your voice? Yes, because you can do two, one of two things. You can either upload video of you talking, and so mm -hmm. it trains on your voice. And if you have a lot of good videos with your voice, and here's the thing, I want to say that you want your voice to be obviously like your real voice, yeah. like I'm talking now, not where you're just reading a script where you sound very monotone. Yeah. So you want it to have like inflection and where you would be like, pauses and so it sounds like you so you can upload video or they can they'll give you a script for you to read and and then yeah what and app I, is that oh is that like similar to ai voice so there's several of them my favorite one is descript or for video there's video i can send you a whole list of my ai apps oh that we God, use please. i feel not that i'm going to be using it often but if i do record my online courses and i just stutter a little bit i wanted to fix it like, yeah, that's so cool. AI is so crazy nowadays. If you've been on TikTok, I listened to this AI voice generator of Ariana Grande singing K-pop music. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> it is so crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm following all of this because we teach AI to our students and how they can just do, it doesn't replace humans. It just helps you do more faster. Yeah. And I think what's crazy is that it's just, just starting. And so it's going to just grow even more. Yeah. But okay. Kind of scary how good it is already. It is. It is so scary. You could upload a whole blog and it could read it and create a whole voice as if you read it, as if you took the time to read out the audio, but all you did was just upload the copy, the, the script. Yeah, someone said AI is taking over. <laughs> I know it feels like that, but it can be a little scary. Okay, we've had this journey of really you just building your business like kind of brick by brick, right? That's what they say. If, if you don't think about building the wall, just build it brick by brick yeah. and then you'll be there. And what would you say it was the most challenging part? Because if we're looking, we have you starting the business as a lash artist, mm -hmm. having the e-commerce in your product line. We have you teaching in the academy. We have you hiring stuff. Like these are all, again, in my opinion, different skill sets and they're almost individual businesses, really. Right. And I have three entities for that. Oh, you do? You did put it under three different entities. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Yeah, that's something that I worked on this year to have three separate entities for the different things that I'm doing the academy, the e commerce, and the salon. Wait, are they all in California? So are you paying the, well, here it's called a franchise tax, even though it's not a franchise. Are they each corporations? They are each corporations. Oh girl, you're getting hit with, because in New York, it's only $25 for the state tax. And then I want to say the city's something like minuscule as well for your corporation. And for those that don't know, California is $800 for your each corporation. Ugh. Yeah. 
I make them, yeah. So I have to ask my accountant about these things. Or maybe I'll give you a call later and join your mentorship program to learn more about how I can save myself money. <laughs> yeah, you either have to take it out of state. Nevada is very popular, or Arizona. You can put your corporation in another state. But then if there's any legal proceedings, then you have to go to, like, mm -hmm. if anything happens, then you have yeah. to do it there. It's just super confusing because, like, if your business is running out of California and you're, like, shipping out of California, I wasn't sure how you could yeah, open a corporation outside. Yeah, it's really, it's not my area of expertise, but I just have been doing it long enough. Oh, so I was going back to my original question. <laughs> I get a little squirrel brain. I get a little sidetracked. So you have these different businesses. Which one was the most challenging to start and which one is the most challenging now? Most challenging to start e-commerce. Mm. I'm like learning how to speak to vendors, wholesale, negotiate, take photos, put it online, pricing, label making. Oh, it was just so much to learn. There's no course on that. There's nothing back in 2019, right? And then now it's like the easiest thing. E-commerce yeah. is very easy now. And then the hardest thing now is probably just running a team. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah, being able to be that authoritative figure but also trying to separate business and personal not be too business not be too personal trying to train them in all expertise of what we do getting them booked assigning tasks making things seem more fair when it comes to cleaning duties it's just when you work with people or when you work with a group of women it's challenging that's the hardest part right now like e-commerce i could let it run on its own i don't have to touch it if nothing is broken i won't touch it but if the salon is broken, I got to be there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so good. So it's like, just to reiterate what you said, it's like relationships are challenging because people are always changing. We're always evolving, right? Mm -hmm. So we're never the same day to day and even year to year. So that's going to make it always something that's a constant energy, needing your energy and mm -hmm. balancing, right? And then I love what you said about the e-commerce because even though it's a lot of work up front, it's funny, I'm doing a funnel for a brand new skincare line and we've run into ingredients being out of stock and then that making the deadline or the launch date hit is extended by weeks and we just you run into so many things like there are like you said there's the packaging there's so many yeah. parts to start so you're doing like a lot of the upfront work but then it makes up for it on the end yeah and that's what happened before the upfront work was getting the marketing getting the, the product line out there the packaging and i'm actually right now rebranding my supplies and the packaging and that's not a priority if i have free time i'll work on it and then if i don't then that could wait so that's why i'm saying it's like the least stressful thing right now because it's not a priority yeah but the salon is a priority building the team is a priority and then the academy is my last priority i think i've been so burnt out about education and teaching people that i just needed to take time to myself and really focus on my intermediate team and then when this team is full and fully booked, then that's when I could cater to someone else outside. Yeah. And for us, I've always said, like, we run lean teams, right? Lean teams, higher profits. But definitely the way to scale is because you only have so many hours, you only have so much time. The way to scale your business is when you have more people, so you have more resources because you have their time that's yeah. also working. Yeah. But it also, obviously, it takes time. So it's just like hiring someone. Yeah. It takes time to find the right person. 
And that's another reason why I love virtual assistants. Just side note, because they're working on their own time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have to manage them as much, but yeah. 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 So good. Okay. So I want to be mindful of your time and, but there's so much goodness in this. So much wisdom. <laughs> I love your transparent journey and that it's, there are real struggles, right? You just don't show them all. I think there's things that you just have to cope by yourself. There's things that you're able to share, but I think you really grow as a person when you are able to just learn from your experience without having to share about it 24 seven. Yeah. Okay. So I want to know then what lights you up? What are you excited about? And what are you envisioning for your future? Because you seem like a go-getter and you have big dreams and what do you see coming next? Or what do you vision for the future? What's exciting to you? Currently I'm working on the second salon, it's finished with the renovations. I'm just waiting for the beds. And so when that salon is running, I'll be having two locations. And what lights me up is just imagining a fully booked salon, the second salon. I think it's like literally my dream salon. The first one is like a baby, you know, it was like pink and marble, but the second one is very like mature luxury with accents of gold and wood and just warmer lighting. So I am so excited for this transition of my business to go from little preppy pink to very mature, like me, because I've grown as a person. So that, that lights me up. I just want my team to be happy. I want myself to be happy. And for the future, I do imagine hopefully this salon runs well and I have a blueprint franchising. I don't know. There's a whole list of opportunities that can go on for a lash artist or a lash business owner like me. And I can't say, okay, I'm going to do this in two years because I really don't know. But yeah, I, I can manifest it. <laughs> yeah. What are the locations? Huntington Beach and... Oh, right now we're in Cerritos. We're in oh. Cerritos right now. But the one that I'm opening up is in Los Alamitos. It is close to Seal Beach and 10 minutes away from Huntington Beach. So you're not wrong. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. I thought I had seen that somewhere. I'm in Irvine now. <gasps> you're oh, so no. close. For some reason, I didn't think you would be in California. Yeah. I was in New York City for 17 years and then we moved to California. April, I will meet you. Yeah, we should, we should do it. I would oh love to. Absolutely. God, yes. I, I know. I will just, I would love to pick your brain on the things that you've done and learn more from you about marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. I'd love to hear all of those things. Okay. So now promotions, what's coming up? So you, you put the training on pause or when can somebody come and train with you again? Do you, you don't have to give that date if you don't want to, but what do you have exciting that's coming up? For trainings, I am still open to taking inquiries for trainings. I just don't have set dates now. It's not like before where I could give out set dates because I like to be more customized and ask the students, what are the weekdays that work out for you? And I'll plan my work around that. Because sometimes when I put dates out, it just doesn't get booked and it's like a waste of my block. So I just rather have inquiries and I have them give me the dates that they want. So education can resume, I think in September. And then online courses are going to be up in September as well. I have different courses on the seminars that I've hosted. If you've known, I've hosted seminars on how to become a lash educator, the My Small Business Seminar to inform people about their taxes and their rules and laws, and then how to scale their business. And then a different webinar on how to create your own product line. So those things are going to be in forms of online courses now that are going to be made affordable and accessible for people all around. That's my thing now. My company is going to be affordable luxury and it is in relations to products being affordable and 
have great quality. It is about education being affordable and having great value. Yeah, that's the new thing coming out. Yes, online. I love that because then you're really like maximizing your time, yeah. right? So and scaling in that way. And I love affordable luxury. So good. I love that branding. So, so good. Oh, Thank so you. Many good things. Yeah, yes. it's been a long time going. And just leave this on this note. I think when I first started my business, I saw it as, oh, I want to be a very high, luxurious brand. Like seeing myself very close to, I guess, like Mercedes Benz or Rolls Royce, like those kind of things. If I compare it to a car, but now I just want to be in everybody's house. I just want to be a Toyota or a Honda. So that's why it's like affordable luxury. Hondas and Toyotas aren't bad. They're in everybody's house. And I want to be that for the Lash brand and the Lash education. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So good. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then I always like to ask, what brings you joy? My kids. It's not cliche. It probably is cliche, but it does bring me joy. I think I just look at them and I'm like, I had you guys while running my business. Yeah. That's crazy. No, but my children are the ones that bring me lots of joy. They make me laugh and... I love cuddling with them. I love having conversations with my little girl. She's a three-year-old soon. And she just asks so many questions. And I love answering questions. She'll be like, why? Why, mom? Why? And it brings me back to the days when I was a preschool teacher. She's at this age now when I was a preschool teacher. This was the age of children I was teaching. They were three to four-year-olds. So then now she's going to be a three-year-old. It's just giving me flashbacks on when I was a teacher teaching children her age yeah she brings me a lot of joy my little boy is so fat and chunky and just so smiley and he gives me so much love oh my gosh it's so funny because i think when they're little it's like a business when they're little there's so much work yeah but you're going off adrenaline and it's like the passion like just relating this to a business like when you're first starting your business just like when you're first starting your family and kids, it's like, it's a lot of work, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of love and there's a lot of passion and there's a yeah. lot of adrenaline. And it almost is like a blur as you get older, because when you look back on that, it goes by so, everybody says it, it's cliche again, it goes by so fast, it's so true. It does, no, literally, even the business growth. It grows fast, your children grow fast. By the time your business takes off, your children might already be a year or two years older. And so I'm just really trying to appreciate the time that I have with them and just know that I always have to remember this, my business is gonna grow, whether it's gonna grow slowly or fast, but my children will always grow at the same speed. So I always have to watch them grow. Yeah, that's basically it. Your business is going to always be there. Your children, you're going to miss a milestone and you don't want to be that mom that misses a milestone. And it still goes back to breaking generational trauma. Like you want to be that mom that's present. You want to be that mom that has, it's so funny. I saw this on TikTok. She was like, I'm that mom that has McDonald's money, that Roblox money, that Starbucks money, that field trip money, the money that your children is going to ask for when they become elementary school students and middle school students and high school students to be there when they reach those like milestones to give them the money to have experiences that you probably didn't have is like what i love the most about my career right now i'm able to do that for them yeah yeah and it's true that the days are long but the years go by so fast and you look back and i know i look back at those pictures and i think i just want to cuddle them again yeah and i was very like intentional because i had a big fertility struggle that i was like 
when I have them, I'm going to be with them. And so I only worked three days a week so that I could be with them and, and more hands-on with them and not miss those moments. But even still, even being that hands-on, I still look back and think, oh, I just, yeah. I, I would give anything to just yeah. my time. Not to be all sad, but the nights that I feel very irritated or annoyed and just lack sleep, there was this thing I heard and said, the next time your child makes you feel that way, you have to pretend like you were a 90-year-old person traveling back in time and holding your baby again. And I'm like, it's going to make me cry. Ah. Like, you have to pretend like you're a 90-year-old and you have to be like, you travel back in time to hold them again. And when I think about that, I'm just, okay, I don't feel that way anymore. <laughs> I just feel sad. Yeah. yeah. Travel back in time and hold them. And then it'll make you appreciate the moments that they are crying. I'm like, you're, you're making me cry, April. <laughs> like an Oprah different. moment. They say Oprah always makes people cry. <laughs> oh. Yes, I wish I could be Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard this the other day that Alex Hermosi, Alex and Layla Hermosi, they are like multimillionaires, maybe even billionaires at this point. I don't know. I want to say he's 30, like he's really young. And when he's thinking about something and like a decision he has to make because he has, you know, all these corporations and so forth as he's growing in business, he actually opens up like a Google document. I thought this was really interesting, mm. somewhat brilliant. And he has a conversation with himself and he goes back and forth with his 80 year old self and himself. Oh. And so he's asking his 80 year old self questions. And so like his deeper inner wisdom is giving him the answers. This is very like meta and sounds weird, but like he's like brainstorming on this Google document, but he's talking to himself as if he was talking to his 80 year old self. What should I do next? Right. And I thought, oh, the wisdom of yeah. your future self. So good. Yeah. Okay. Bringing it back to you. Where can they find you? Give them all the goodness, all the socials and all the places where they can connect with you. You can find me on Instagram at mish.aesthetics. And if you're interested in shopping my supplies, you could find it on mishaesthetics.com. And yeah, future, you could find me on YouTube. I will be posting on YouTube for the future. I made a content room in my new salon and I'm forcing myself yes. to appear more on TikToks and Reels than YouTube. I've just taken a pause. I feel like I've lacked a little of a creative juices, but now that the salon is up and running soon, I have all these ideas flowing in and I just don't want to be shy anymore on YouTube. For some reason, I could, I, I am okay talking on stories, but YouTube is just like a different park. But yeah, you can find me on there in the future. But yeah, Mish Aesthetics. Yeah. Yeah. Long form content is always feels like it requires a bit more. Yeah. And you have to rewatch re yourself so many times when you're editing videos that you're like uh, overanalyzing. Yeah. So get a VA to do that. Get the AI to give you all the content ideas, all of these mm -hmm. things to make it automated and easy. Thank you so much for sharing your time, your wisdom. This was so much fun as always. And um, thank you guys all for joining us. Make sure you're following and supporting her and sending her love as we need to do with all the beauty bosses, all the female beauty bosses. We need to lift each other up and empower each other. Yes. So, so good. Thank you for being here and thank you for sharing. It was so nice to talk to you and it was nice that we were able to bond a little bit and got a little teary-eyed because we're both moms and we both have businesses. So I really respect you and thank you for having me on here. Uh, thank you. Bye. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beauty Marketing Simplified podcast. 
And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe, download, and also leave us a review. Let us know any topics that you would like to hear about. And also definitely refer it to a friend. Thank you again for joining us. I'm signing off. This is April with Grit and Grace, Hugs and High Fives. See you next week.